0: hi I'm Jura I'm a composer and a singer and an artist I'm going to talk about my first album for Melody Jo's that I released in February 2022 yeah, 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 yeah. album is a symphonic work i guess i'm that much of a old school composer it's been very much focused on the chords and also the instrumentation and the orchestration for sure there are so many riffs and hooks and comments that the different instruments play all through the 10 songs which are very important to me in general i think i'm very interested in like musically understanding something what does that mean when do you feel like you agree with a piece of music? Oh, right, that's definitely a vibe, right? So, like, when when does that happen? And like, what does it take for you to feel that way, like, about a piece of music when you're listening to it? So, composing this album has been like a constant bargaining of like, to which extent is something communicated? It's about feeding the sensory apparatus in all of us that is so um, skilled at like deciphering. Western pop music and also like predicting Western pop music as an expression. I'm invested in trying to uh, suspend the moment just before we agree that we understand this musically. All the lyrics are written between now and seven years back. The lyrics are individual and like subjective stories that I chose to animate with music, I would say. Someone's life work being the oldest one. I wanted someone's life work to be a song that had the same kind of like drifting feeling, forward going, than like drifting by in an airplane. Being lifted above your world. Take a moment to look down on the patterns and the roads and conveying the feeling of like forthcomingness or maybe breaking through something that could be clouds like effortlessly breaking through something. So I must still mean something to you Cause you wake up beside me on an airplane And ask me how do I stop the car It's a song that has essentially changed its meaning throughout the years because it's the oldest song on the album. Basically, I went to the States on a trip with my ex-partner. We were still together when we planned the trip and bought the tickets and whatever. But then we split up, but still decided to go. And um, (laughs) On the airplane back to Denmark, they slept beside me in their seat. And then, like mid-flight, they woke up from a dream that they had, and they just screamed, "How do I stop the car? How do I stop the car?" Like it was set with a, with a voice that you hear like in an emergency, like a very urgent situation. Like they needed my help. I just had to remind them where we were and like what we just went through together. The first verse, like when I read it again today. It's about that specific situation up in the airplane six years ago but it's also about our relationship now because since we have both transitioned into something else. a lot about how it would feel to be trans and play in a symphonic orchestra as my job, like as my day job. How dealing with old music from very different prior times on a daily basis would influence my perception of life. Imagine being surrounded by a soundscape from the baroque or the romantic period throughout your 9-to-5 job. I mean, that's gotta make a difference for your understanding of time. Then you're basically living a hundred or two hundred years ago during seven hours of your day. That is time-traveling. Same late age, this song is about how we can conjure former times. Whenever you put on a song, you press play, or you're at a classical concert and then it, the, you know, the strings kick in. From that point of departure in the music, the music conjures a reality from the time in which it was created. And I'm not just talking about the soul sounds and chords from that time, I'm talking about the norms, the deeds, and the traditions, like values all these certain markers are brought back and are dancing around you to the music when the music's playing. So it's never just music. Concrete, comes up the horns, the horn section So you can focus on the singing So you can focus on the singing into C-sharp We'll be back I think music is a portal into feeling and understanding our history, but also our lack of history. When I was in 7th and 8th grade, What I spent my free time doing was with my friend from my class, and we just, like, we drew maps of a world. We developed these characters that lived in different kinds of societies throughout this world. This artificial exercise of, like, imagining the world... I remember being in this headspace when I was a teenager, but to me, it's also very much tied to the process of making art. When Jay gave birth to true I'm In a written oh, a in When I've gave birth to freedom I have to step a little bit out of my circumstances, decenter myself a little bit in order to describe where I'm at. And that's also maybe how a lot of teenagers feel that they're very decentered. They're waiting for the world to take them in or they're waiting for life to begin. Somebody called my name, Mommy Joe. it sometimes sounds like down here a phone is ringing Rings true the very come with me through again this song is a product of my encounter with my friend Helene and me getting to know her and like our conversations we've talked a lot about how the teenage years are some kind of practice for the adult life and for some kind of reality. But within that practice was so much space for imagination. from him trying. Sign. I'd like to dress you like red wine, he says. Later then. Sign. I'd like to wear you. He tells her how borrowing money from a person that he hardly knows used to get him. To oh, but you made me to her. I was a star man met before you. Two wings is two. Drowning just. Above. Dying toast. Dying to you. I wrote Grand Jury as a duet between an assigned male at birth tenor voice, which is me and an assigned female-at-birth tenor voice, which is sung by my friend Clarissa Connelly, who has a fantastic voice. So we sing in the same range all through the song. We swap the melody snippets between us. First time I sing a phrase, next time she sings it, and then what that does is it suspends the question of gender for five minutes and 39 seconds. There's a situation in the song where somebody is confronted by her transness and it happens to the character Sign in the second verse. She's on a concert tour with her choir in Arizona and they're singing this famous acapella renaissance piece by Palestrina, Secret Service. In August she tours an outdoor Tucson venue with the choir. During that night's Secret Service, there is an experimental changing of the guard. Color draws so far inward. Sir Kut's service sings in her insect-like. You'll only love me when the lights are off. At this hour, at diplomatic pink, the cypresses shed wild lint. Bully rose mark sopranos. Looks like written in their print is sign. She reads it, and in the reading of it, she grasps at herself from behind. She reads it, and in the reading of it, she grasps at herself from behind. Oh, comes our space, baby. sparks the realization in science example here is not only partaking in ancient music, uh, but it's also partaking in a choir, in the choir format. It's, it's such a difficult ensemble format, the choir. I mean, it's so gendered. It just doesn't hold space for trans people by itself. I feel like the format is per se trans exclusive. And what bugs me the most about it is that this binary exists because it is so practical. Most people who are assigned female at birth just sing in another register than the people assigned male at birth. I don't have a problem with the name of the voice groups like soprano, alto, tenor, bass. They just describe a function, really. They can each totally be inclusive of all genders, in my opinion. But it's the male voice versus the female voice binary that literally takes trans people off the table as potential choir singers. It's such a ridiculous rhetoric. So can somebody please found some choirs for trans people? Or at least write new choir literature that doesn't assign male narratives or male quality to the bass and tenor voice ranges. my songs to be breaks from these logics that people navigate with. You're really just listening to two different personalities working together to tell the same story. I love what sorts of possibilities form by thinking of the duet as like a non-romantic place to sing from. If you regard the duet as a relationship with some kind of contract forming it, then i like to think about what other kind of contract could be at play than just like a romantic one what happens when two really close friends platonically come together to convey something what kind of force can be communicated musically it's abstract to me but yeah i think there's so much power in that i think duets are great for conveying the power of friendships maybe i also like Writing duets for me and my friends because I want to give them a view on themselves that is from my perspective. I think it makes sense for me to hand out a role to them in my universe or in a song because I need my friends in my music because I need them in my life. But then the other one was landing, i How dare you album i thought it was important to renegotiate the choir as a format i mean everything that's vocal points to anatomy points to the body points to different types of bodies in the classical world everything is so gendered around vocals and voice so in amphion ontario i did this vocal octet but it was important to me that all the voices were voices of soloists I didn't like the part of choir culture or choir music that is about leaving your personal voice traits at the door to kind of like join basically society, you know, like walk into a choir rehearsal and just blend in. There's something about this ideology that I don't really like. It's a misunderstood type of democracy. And I also thought it was interesting to try to write a piece of vocal music that evidently Instead of blending in, I thought about okay, how about interrupting and instead of agreeing, what if they actually are disagreeing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The lyrics to this song, Aimfree and Ontario, developed as a dialogue between two characters. Aimfree being the protagonist of the song that I would say I identify the most with, and Ontario being um, this other character that's the actual name of an actual place in the world. It's the Canadian province. I wanted to use this name. To make people think of a body or a voice that consists of plural voices. Just as a city holds a complex grid of people. So the song Aim Free on Ontario is about a quite specific dynamic between two characters. And this dynamic unfolds in this scripted, predestined way. It's very sad, actually, because there's nothing they can do about the course of things. Actually, it's almost like Romeo and Juliet in the sense that they're powerless to how it's going to play out between them. I don't remember if it's Romeo or if it's Juliet who comes from the family with the most structural institutional power. But either way, one of their families has some kind of institutional power to be superior to the other family, right? There are the actors in it, but they don't have any agency. So there exists no tools in the real world for them to change the outcome of their relationship. That's a bit how I imagine the character of Ontario. Because although he is displaying vulnerability, he still has this whole village to back him up. That's why I wanted to let the character of Ontario consist of eight polyphonic voices in the song. In that way, whatever he's saying, whatever he's stating, it's always backed up by the jury in the fucking town council. It's like he is majority personified. It's how he presents and what outcome he has of a given situation that matters to the majority. They all own shares in him. They all want him to succeed. Therefore, they also urge him to give up certain dreams. Whenever he speaks, they speak. You can hear their voices in his head. So in a way, they're with him always. So although it's arguably some kind of love story between two individuals one of them Ontario is reflected in everyone around him and the other one Ingrid has no points of reference to society and society has no points of reference to her I'm not even sure that the people in the town council believe that a character like Ingrid exists I think she's almost an alien to them she's from jupiter okay like there's no code of conduct for people from jupiter so how could they ever relate to her ontario which tutor would i be to you a queer parent rooting for you at an easy distance or as soon be accomplished pioneering your new paradigm pleasures this binary inquiry Mutant and it makes me anxious. I find myself to a free is on her own. And while there is a freedom to that, also musically, her melodies are not preconditioned by a consensus-seeking crowd of people yelling in the back of her head. She actually has quite some space and calmness to figure out what notes... She wants to sing in the courts. I like to think that she is defining herself from the point of herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm at the brink of starting a new working process. And I'm going to Scotland for three weeks and then also London afterwards. To so just, I don't really know why I'm going. But then maybe that's also the point. The point is to like just place myself somewhere because I try to write about things that are like fictional occurrences and fictional strings of narratives, but that are tied to very specific places and persons. It's also tied to a specific sound. There is this frequency that I need to be on in order to feel intrigued about society. So maybe that's also why I feel like I have to place myself somewhere that feels like I'm on the brink of some place that I don't know.